0: Good morning. My name is Matt Sprinkle. I am the student pastor here at Alice Drive Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. Real quick, we do want to uh, acknowledge that it's Father's Day and thank our dads that are in the room. So in just a second, you're going to want you to look, if your dad's sitting next to you, you can just kind of stare awkwardly at him for right now, Uh, but we're going to thank him together and um, if your dad's not here, you can just stare off in the distance and say it. Um, I'm gonna stare at the camera, but if you want to, we're gonna thank our dads. You can say what I say, or you can make something up. It's cool. Um, But I'm gonna stare at the camera, and you ready? Here we go. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) I hope he's watching. Uh, Listen. We also realize too that you know some of you, your dads aren't able to be here with us this morning uh, for whatever reason. But we are reminded too that we do have a heavenly Father in heaven that watches over us and walks alongside of us. So let's let's pray before we jump in. God, we thank you so much uh, that you are our heavenly Father. God, that you walk alongside of us. uh, The God that you sent your Son to die on our behalf, even while we were still sinners. Father, we thank you that you continue to show us where it is that you want us to go. And so, God, I just pray that everything that's spoken today that is from you, that it will stick. Uh, God, But anything that's not, that it will fall away. God, we thank you for the hope that we share in Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So we are at the end of a series called The Path to Freedom. Hopefully, you've jumped on the path with us by now. But if you haven't, basically all that we've been talking about for the last few weeks is how we find true freedom in Christ. And this week we're going to discover where this freedom is seen, because if we have the freedom, it should be seen. But first, I want to take you with me back to school for a second, okay? Um, My favorite classes in school, whether it be high school or college, were the classes that were graded on a curve, some of you are like, yeah, I know why, because it was a whole lot easier. Some of you are like, yeah, because you can be lazy. Um, but that's not at all the idea. The whole idea of classes that are graded on a curve is that it allows you to live within boundaries that are gracious and not constricting or limiting, right? You can fail a test and go to your teacher afterwards and allow them to help see, okay, this is why you failed bad, um, And help teach you how you can pass the next one, right? So there's a little bit more freedom in there. So what I really loved about that, though, is that I loved the grace-filled environment. I don't think there's anyone in here today that wouldn't love a grace-filled environment. You want to know how I know? Let's look at some non-grace-filled environments. All right, how many of you have been married for a while? All right, how many of you have been married for a little while? Okay, okay. How many of you are going to be getting married soon? I know there's a couple in here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. And then for those of you that will get married eventually, this is the thing that everyone is going to tell you. That first year of marriage is tough. You want to talk about non-grace-filled environment? You want to know how I know? Because we argued over the dumbest things. Where do you squeeze the toothpaste? At the bottom? The middle? The top? If you squeeze from the top, you are one sick individual. (laughs) Do you put the cap back on? Do you leave it off? Please, for the love of everyone in the household, put the cap on the toothpaste. Does the toilet paper go over or under? Yeah, I know I just caused some more argument right there. Who replaces the toilet paper? (laughs) The wife. (laughs) Oh, man. You know where this non-grace-filled environment leads you in your freedom? You then have the freedom to sleep on the couch while your wife sleeps in the bed. All right, let's go to a more serious note. Um, Here at Alice Drive and just in ministry in general, we see time and time again, uh, what happens when a parenting environment is a non-grace-filled environment? We see it every time that they graduate and they go off to college. Where is their freedom? Going crazy. But why, why do they get there? It's because they weren't allowed moments of failure. They weren't allowed moments to make mistakes and mom and dad to come alongside of them and walk with them through those mistakes and to help them see the better side of things. See, freedom is, is, is seen and experienced in one place, and this place should be a beacon of hope to a broken world. And Paul is going to help us see where this freedom is seen in Galatians. And so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. Hopefully you already have your Bibles open to there, but what you need to what's going on is that Paul is writing to the Christians in Galatia, and he is writing them with one thing in mind. If I could sum up everything that Paul says in Galatians, it's this one word. You ready? At the beginning of Galatians, right at the title, you can write underneath it this word. You ready? Grace. Grace. And Paul's not too happy in this letter because he's tired of people coming into the church telling people that, hey, you need to do this checklist in order to be closer to God. He's tired of people walking into the church and saying, hey, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but you also need to add this to your walk. And if you were here the last few weeks, you realize that there is nothing that you can add to your faith that makes you closer to God. It is only Christ. And that is where we find freedom. So the fact is is that we are all imperfect. And Paul is about to help us imperfect people see where we can see this freedom. Let's jump into verse 1. Verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We're really good at part of that verse. Sometimes we forget about the gentleness part and the restore part. And then he keeps going. This is the part that we forget. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. what is what is paul doing here paul is encouraging us in the same manner manner that that jesus did in matthew 18. what did jesus say in matthew 18 he said hey if your brother's in sin what should you do go to them help them to see it so believers should hold each other accountable but it should be out of gentleness and it should be with a desire to restore that person accountability is a lot of the time it's like this you ever stepped on a scale I did this past week. I stepped on the scale. And I said, well, that's different. <laughs> Time to go get a new scale. You know what a new scale would show me? The same thing, maybe half a, half a pound difference. That's oh, half a pound. I'm good. N- no, that's not how the scale works. What's the scale doing? It's telling you the truth about who you are. What should it be doing? It should be encouraging you to be, oh, man, I need to work on that. The scale is useful. You can get mad at the scale and live in denial. <laughs> or you can see it. Eh, you're going to get mad, maybe. And let it encourage you to go the route that you need to go to be healthier. It's the same thing with accountability. Sometimes it is not the most fun thing to be held accountable. And when you're being restored, Paul says, hey, you were to restore. He's speaking of the same word that you would use to mend a net or to heal a broken bone. How many of you have ever broken a bone? I can't relate to you, I've never broken a bone. (laughs) But I heard it's painful. I heard it's even more painful to have a bone reset. This is exactly what, what Paul is getting at. It makes me ask this, though. How many of you ever heard the phrase, the pot calling the kettle black? Yeah, right? Have you ever had someone call you out on something that they themselves struggle with? Flip that around. Have you ever tried to call somebody out on something that you struggle with? Paul's saying, hey, look, you've got to keep your own self in check. You can't do that. Um, we have game night in my household every week. Every Friday night, we try to have a game night. Uh, this past Friday, it was fun. We were sitting down, and then all of a sudden, my son, he loses. And I talked to him about it. I was like, hey, I want to share this. He was like, okay, you'll see why in a second. Um, but he loses and he gets mad because his sister just destroyed him. <laughs> and so he does what every kid does, especially, I mean, none of us did it when we were little, but you know, he storms off down the hallway, goes into his room and slams the door, making sure that everyone in the house knows that he is upset. So me and my wife were left sitting there. and We're like, that's not cool. We, well... Time to be parents. Um, we're going to go in there and we're going to talk to them about, hey, that's not how we act. You know, you need to make the best out of it. You know, cheer your sister on after destroying you. You know, make the best of it. So my wife, she's really good at coming up with stories to kind of help him help understand. And so she shared a story. She was in a softball tournament and my wife pitched. And she was like, if we won the tournament, we got to go to Disney World. And he's, a, you know, he's following now. And um, she's like, but you know what happened? It rained, and I wasn't able to pitch like I needed to, and so we lost, and I didn't get to go to Disney World, and that really bothered me. But my dad, he tried to make it up to us, and he took us all around Tennessee to try and make the best of the situation. And that's kind of what you need to do here. Do you, do you understand? And then my son, he looks at us both very endearingly, and he goes, "No." And. Me and Carrie are like, I thought that was good. Did you think that was good? He should have got it, right? And we go, okay, well, why no? And he goes, "Uh, because it's still obvious that you're still upset. What do you say there? "Mm, Touche. (laughs) But we both learned a valuable lesson from a seven-year-old that night, and it's this. You cannot be an example if you're not a good example. You can't be an example if you're not a good example. This is like trying to lead a lesson on being slow to anger when the 15 minute car ride 10 minutes ago was very interesting because you were running 10 minutes late. Or this is like trying to encourage a friend in their prayer life. But where is your prayer life? See, if we don't keep ourselves in check, it's so important that Paul starts with this because if we don't have this, like if we can't hold each other accountable, If we can't keep ourselves in check, then the next nine verses are very difficult for us to do together. Let's look at verse 2. Paul goes on. He says this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor." For each will have to bear his own load. So Paul is encouraging here the believers to do the the exact thing that he's been telling them to do this whole time. He's like, look, if you love God, what do you do? You love others. That's the response to the gospel. God's worked in your life, what do you do? You love him and you love other people. In that, the whole law is fulfilled. That's what Paul is saying here. But see, they had one thing that was hindering them from doing this well. They were too concerned with comparing their spiritual journeys with each other. I know I'm guilty of that at times. I I don't know about you, but I know that I'm guilty of that at times. It's called a comparison trap. You ever compared your spiritual walk to the spiritual walk of those that are around you? That's what's going on here. He's speaking to one side of the spectrum where it's the people who think that they've arrived. Kind of like the Pharisee that Jesus talks about in the, in the Gospels where he's like, hey, thank you, God, that I'm not like that sinner over there. These are the, the Christians who think that they've learned it all. They'll show up on a Sunday and be like, oh, that's good pastor, but I already got that. These are the Christians that are really good at doing the checklist. And then he's speaking to the opposite end of that spectrum. And these are the folks that don't think that they've arrived yet. But they think I'll never be as good as blank. Can you imagine the people that are reading or hearing Paul's letters being spoken to them? Dang, I'm never gonna be good as Apostle Paul. I know that I've read Paul and I was like, he's awesome. I'm not. But Paul also said, I am the foremost of all sinners. I think Paul knew that he had his own problems. It's the same thing if you were to show up on Sunday and saw Pastor Clay and be like, dang, Pastor Clay seems like he's got it all together. But I know, I know. Pastor Clay would be like, look, I got my own struggles. But listen, both you and the person you compared yourself to have the same Holy Spirit, they have the same promise and they have the same mission. And the problem with this comparison trap is that it is opposite of the gospel. There is only one person that we should be comparing ourselves to, and that's who? Christ. Both of these comparisons, they hinder you from taking next steps. One of them says, "I, I don't have any next steps to take. I'm there. I'm good. The other one says, I'll never be good enough to take that next step. One theologian, he said this. He said, we should help each other bear the heavy burdens of life, but there are personal responsibilities that each man must bear for himself. I am super thankful for the family ministries here at Alice Drive. I have four kiddos. If you can't tell, that's why I'm missing so much here. But I have four kiddos, and I know that when we come to church that we can have an opportunity to be poured back into ourselves and trust that as they're getting their diapers changed, Their bottoms will be wiped and the diapers will not be put on backwards. I can trust that they are also going to have a leader in the room that is going to be faithful in leading them in God's word and trying to give them one takeaway that they can apply to their lives. Maybe some of you in the room, you're like, I want to change diapers. If that's you, hey, come talk to me or Kristen afterwards. We have a place for you. Some of you, you are gifted in a way that you could sit down with a student and just let them vomit all over you. Not physically like vomit, but like share all of the deep things that are going through life. In that moment, you are helping parents carry the burden of their household. But you know what it doesn't do? You know what it doesn't take away for you as the parent? Your role as their parent in their life. That's one way that our church comes alongside of one another and helps carry the load of each other. But God has called each of us specifically to a walk. And for some of us, that is parenting. So so what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that those that are connected to God connect others to God. Those that are connected to God connect others to God. And this takes effort. It's not easy. Remember that accountability thing? That's tough. But those that are connected to God Strive to connect others to God. And if we can't carry each other's loads, if we can't focus on the load that God has given us individually, we can't move on to the next thing because each one of these things that Paul lays before us, they they hinge off of one another. Where does Paul go in verse six? Let's read verses six through nine together. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. At Strive we want something for you, not from you, and this passage is a a little awkward as a pastor sometimes because Paul is pretty clear. He's saying, hey, look, take care of those that are taking care of you. Invest into the kingdom. Like if you want Paul's bottom line there, you reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. He is basically saying this. Your heart should be invested into the kingdom of God. The kingdom ministry of God. Again, this is not a new idea that Paul is going off. Like, Paul didn't just make this up. This is something that Jesus Himself taught. Go back and read Matthew six verse thirty-three. Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like when you read that passage, it's so encouraging because Jesus is speaking to our anxiety. He's like, if you're seeking My kingdom, you don't know even worried about tomorrow. Don't be worried about clothes. I'm gonna take care of you. Seek first my kingdom. So reading this from Paul, it leads me to this question for me, myself, and for everyone in the room. In our lives, whose desires are overwhelmingly clear? Whose desires are overwhelmingly clear? Whose kingdom are we mostly invested in? See, Paul, he follows verse six with a warning and a reminder. He says this, do not think that your desires are greater than God's because God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. The moment that we start lifting our desires above God's desires, you will see the reward of that later. And I promise you, it is nowhere near the reward of following God's desires and investing into his. See, we can see this. We can see where um, our, our, our desires are when we even look at some things in our own lives. Where does our desires get you? Think about it. Reckless spending for a second. That $5 cup of coffee you get every single day on the way to work to help wake you up. Honest question. Honest question. Is it hindering you from investing in the kingdom? Five times five is 25. 25 times four is 100. a lot of money we're spending on coffee to get us awake. I got some (laughs) Folgers. I'll even find some espresso bean somewhere to help you out. But is it hindering you from kingdom investment? Everyone who has a loan in here has felt this. Have you ever felt enslaved to the person that you owe money to? I know I have. So much so that it hindered me from feeling like I could give. We even see this in how we tend to even hoard money so the last 10 to 20 years of our lives can be awesome. But what if our focus on his kingdom was something eternal rather than temporary? See, the mark of every believer is seen by their kingdom investment. The mark of every believer is seen by their kingdom investment. You want to know why? Because you realize that everything you have is God's. Everything you have is God's. Uh, I have a, a buddy of mine. Last week, I ended up traveling up to Roanoke, Virginia, buddy of mine, his name was Brian. Brian was awesome. He, there was no, he was a good friend of mine at my first church that I was at. I was young in ministry, young and dumb in ministry. And he was the guy that came alongside me with wisdom. There was no conversation that you could have with Brian that it would not go to the gospel. Like he would always take it back to Jesus. It didn't matter if you were talking, talking about fireworks on the 4th of July, Jesus, (laughs) that's who, that's just who Brian was. Brian ended up passing away unexpectedly, and up to the moment of his passing, he was still able to communicate in some ways with his family. And I just, I, I thought this was amazing. He had, in, he had them, this is who Brian was. When it came to his obituary, this was what was put in his obituary, and, and I believe strongly that Brian was, please put that. But he, it said this, in lieu of flowers... Brian would appreciate your consideration of sowing into the ministry of Green Ridge Baptist Church through a donation. I don't care about flowers. (laughs) I'm not going to care about flowers. Where can you better spend money than in God's kingdom? That's who Brian was. Here at Alice Drive, we believe that everyone has a next step in this. Maybe it's a step in. Maybe that's giving something. Maybe right now you're not investing at all. Look, And Paul is pretty pointed on separating the two. Hey, burying each other's loads and this is two different things. So maybe your next step is to step in, give something. Maybe some of you you have been giving something for a while, and God's blessed you in a way that you can step towards a 10% tithe. Maybe that's where he's got you. Maybe you've been able to, to tithe for a while now, and maybe God is blessing you in ways to where you can step out and beyond that 10%. See, this is where Brian was. Let me ask you this. Why would you not consider investing into something that outlasts your time on this planet? This is what happens when your mind is focused on the eternal rather than the temporary. Listen, every one of us in here, every one of us in here, we have some kind of story where the church and God's ministry has impacted our lives in some way. Let me tell you about a difference that we're making actually as Alice Drive Overseas. So we really truly believe that this year is going to be our finest hour. And as you are giving money to the finest hour, this is some of the things that you're, you're seeing your tithes and your offering do. We have Mission Sunday today and we're highlighting Haiti. And if you haven't stopped by the missions booth, I would encourage you stop back by there. But this is something that you would see. This is just one of the many things that are going on. For the last several years, our church has partnered with World Orphans in Haiti, helping to support a sister church in Port-au-Prince, as well as providing direct financial support for 20 orphans and their families, helping with their education, their medical expenses, and their day-to-day needs so that they can take next steps towards Jesus. See, if we are bearing one another's burdens, if we are investing into the kingdom of God, Paul shows us one place where we see freedom in action. You ready? Got to read verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Did you catch that? So, where is it that you see this freedom in action? The church. You see it in this church. Some of you are here today because of that very fact. You're looking for a place where you can just be who you are without judgment. You're looking for a place for people to come alongside of you, hold you accountable, and do life with you so that you don't have to do it alone. God didn't create us to do life alone. We desire relationships, we need relationships. Maybe that's why you're here today. See, Paul is showing us something awesome and it's the one thing that we see if all that we just talked about is taking place and it's this, freedom is seen in a place of grace. Freedom is seen in a place of grace. All of what we talked about should be seen as people see the church. When people's eyes are on us, Their eyes should ultimately be on Jesus. Look again at what Paul said in verse 10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, to everyone. Not some people, to everyone, and especially to those in his church. So Alice Drive, we want everyone to take next steps in knowing community. And we believe that church is a place of grace. This is Paul's whole point of writing is grace. And the one thing that defines every single believer and sets Christianity apart from every other world religion out there is one word. It's grace. So how do you know if you this, have had this freedom that we've been talking about? Well, the first thing is this. You've received Grace. You have a relationship with Jesus. You know that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. It's a grace that you don't deserve, but yet it was given to you freely. And because of that, you have freedom. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know about this grace, man. Tell me a little bit more about it. That's you. Come see me in the next step room after service. We would love to talk to you about that. How do you know if you have this freedom? Not only have you received it, but then you give grace. You invest into his kingdom. You multiply grace to those. If you have been forgiven, if I have forgiven you, how much should you forgive those around you? The same amount. Grace. Grace upon grace. How do you know if you have this freedom? You have received grace. You give grace. You are investing into his kingdom. The last thing is this you are in a community of grace how do you know if you have this freedom you're plugged in with people who have the freedom listen some folks that show up here today maybe you've been missing out on community you want a place look at alice drive our life groups are smaller churches smaller churches inside of one big massive church this is a place where you can find those friends that you can call at three in the morning and they're gonna be honest with you and say, hey, leave a voicemail, I'll call you back later. (laughs) But they're also the friends that you're gonna find that are gonna walk with you through the worst times of your life and through the best times of your life because that is what it means to be the church. We rejoice together, we weep together. That's what it is. We walk alongside each other, we hold each other accountable. If that's you, if you're here today joining us in this room, you have a Connect card, I encourage you, right on that Connect card, put me in a group. We will call you this week. We will get you in a group. Put it on the connect card, turn it in as you go out. Listen, if you're online and maybe you've been missing out on community for a long time now, now's a a time to get plugged into community and we have options. We have in-person options, but we also have online communities, online life groups that are actually happening. And if that's you, please put in the comment section, I wanna be in a life group and Casey will get you connected today but all of us crave community. All of us have a desire for community. So what's your next step? I love this time of year because we see so many new families coming into Sumter and we should have no greater desire than for these families than to plug into our church family or to plug into a church family. We should desire for them to plug into a place of grace. And listen, if you are here today, I want you to hear that we love you and we want you to see this freedom in action. And this is grace that is being poured out on us. And because of that, we love each other well and we do life together here. When you're at Alice Drive, we pray for you to join us on this path to freedom and realize it's a journey. None of us have arrived, but we're thankful that we get to walk on it together. If God's moved in your life and you need to talk about any of these next steps, I encourage you to come see me in the next step room. We're thankful that you're here today. I'm going to pray for you all. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for the ability to be able to come up and study your word together. Um, God, I know that you've even convicted me of some of the things that are in this sermon as well. I know that I've been guilty of this comparison trap of comparing my spiritual walk with those that are around us but God, we all have the same savior, the same mission, the same promise, the same purpose, and let us lean on that. Let us always not compare ourselves to those that are around us, God, but let us always compare ourselves to Jesus. God, I pray for the one in here who may have never received grace, God, that maybe today's the day. Give them the courage to come and talk to someone. Father, maybe someone needs to step step in, step up, or step out as they are investing into the kingdom ministries so that many other people in Sumter and even overseas can take next steps towards Jesus. God, above all, I pray for community. I pray that when people see Alice Drive, they truly see a place of grace. God, we thank you for the hope that we get to share in Jesus.